Hello and welcome to RangerPod, the weekly podcast that scours through the morphing grid in search for tasty eggs from rare, exotic, and frankly, made-up birds, one episode at a time. My name's Grax, and I know absolutely nothing to do with Power Rangers, but fortunately, I have someone who knows more than me. Welcome, Quinn. Hi, Grax. How are you? I'm doing good, thanks. Um, I just finished watching this episode, and it left a pretty good feeling in my tummy pretty good feeling did you have eggs for dinner tonight <laughs> <laughs> actually yeah after watching this i can help but have a mm, delicious omelette uh before we get into the episode grax we've had a we've had a tweet from a new listener of ours <gasps> on on twitter he is pdt says things oh that's curious i've never heard that name before it's, yeah it's, it's nice that we're picking up new listeners now we're going forward he's he's tweeted in relation to last week's episode mm-hmm. about the about the second Zoo Ranger episode Princess May's Seven Metamorphoses he pointed out that the quick change episode is actually a Super Sentai staple um, really? he's, he's, yeah he's not entirely sure why but he thinks it's probably a bit fetishy I wouldn't put it past Japan I wouldn't put it past the Japanese either but I've looked it up and yeah he's right there's several episodes across the Sentai series or series is where a female character, member of the cast, hero or villain, this says here, uh, will go through multiple costume changes for reasons unknown. So thank you very much to PDT for pointing that out. Let's talk about episode 33, The Yokes on You, which was first aired on... Oh, oh no, I, this is the kind of stuff I should be doing now that Pete's gone to this peace conference. Oh, I didn't prepare. What was the year? What was the year? Oh, Grax, let me just step in right there. <clears throat> I think this is a job for me, the expert in Power Rangers. Oh. Uh, the air date for this episode was November the 16th, 1993. Ah, excellent. Glad to hear you got my back. Yeah, I'm I'm there now and I'm, uh, I'm backing you up all the way. It was written by Cheryl Saban, proving that Power Rangers is nothing if not nepotistic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it was directed by Terence H. Winkless, which is a shame for his wife, I'm sure. Uh, but um spoiler alert this is actually pretty good so anyway let me get started with the synopsis and talk about what happened in episode 33 uh yeah go for it okay it's time for yet another talent contest at angel grove and jason and tommy are preparing for their karate dance routine karate or something like that but oh shoot tommy forgot their important belts and leaves alone to go home to get the belts Meanwhile on the moon, Finster is cooking up his latest monster to surprise Rita on her birthday. It's some kind of bluefish creature lagoon monster thingy with teeth and spikes everywhere who's called Fang. Back at the talent contest, Bulk and Skull are also getting ready to take part of the show. And hey look, there's some boiled eggs backstage and they get really excited over this for some reason. And then uh, Principal Clappen comes on and there's a bit of comedy routine when he loses toupee. Back on the moon, Rita spots this new monster goes, hey, what's going on? He's like, uh, oh yeah, it's my birthday, Finster made it which is nice. So Tommy's walking alone in the woods and four putties appear. He fights the putties, but one of them tricks Tommy into a net trap, which is hiding in the foliage. He's trapped. Oh no. Okay. So we then we see Goldar, Babu and Scott walking around and then Babu and Scott see some oversized blue eggs, which they quickly scarfed down. Delish. And there's all really green and gooey. Fang sees the eggs being completely eaten, which are actually incidentally called Goonie Bird's Eggs. I'm sure they've nicked that n- name off a different movie. They're thinking about it. But anyway, Fang gets mad because he was going to eat those eggs for his lunch. But back at the contest, Tommy has been gone for 30 minutes. How long does it take to get the belts? Tommy's not answering. He's a communicator. Once again. Zordon tells the heroes to teleport to the command center and he shows in the viewing globe that Tommy's been captured in a net. But never mind that because Rita has released the Fang monster. You've got to take him out. Kimberly's like, should we help Tommy? No, because it's morphing time at 9 minutes and 10 seconds. 
So the Power Rangers are teleported to where the monsters are. Fang is on the hunger fueled rage and attacks the Power Rangers and rips them to shred, completely clawing them down. Oh no, he's throwing fake boulders once again. But then Fang goes away and gets all crying mopey because his goonie birds have been eaten. But then suddenly Rita appears and tells Fang that he can have all the goonie bird eggs he wants if he obeys her and destroys the Power Rangers. Um, so she then makes Fang grow. Then the Power Rangers react by summoning the dinosaurs to form the Megazords. And the two giants are fighting and Fang has the upper hand with his fury of attacks. Hunger really makes you strike hard. So, uh, fortunately, Tommy manages to escape out of the net trap and beats up the putties. The Jin joins the heroes and because this this point, Fang notices the Angel Grove Dam. So then Tommy summons the Dragon Sword. The Dragon Sword fights Fang. Fang is still angry, so it's time to switch to Dragon Sword mode and battle. Uh, Dragon Sword in battle mode, and it becomes him and Tyrannosaurus versus Fang, which kind of works because Fang is actually losing. And then they bring out the big guns, the Ultra Swords, and they blast Fang to Kingdom Come. And the episode ends with Jason and Tommy performing their karate dance routine, and with Bulk and Skull performing their bad punk rock music number, which didn't get booed at the end. The it didn't end. get booed at the end, did it? No, because it was okay. It wasn't terrible. It, I mean, I, I have seen and I, I've played in many a punk band oh, yeah? in my time. And I have shared the stage with way worse bands than Vulcan Skull. So in your expertise in a punk band, as well as Power Rangers, you think that they did a pretty good number? I think they didn't do terribly at all. I would listen to their album once maybe (laughs) (laughs) which is a shame because they only had like 30 seconds of air time and i'm sure that their song lasts a lot longer than that uh well uh punk rock songs man if you ever listen to the ramones they never play any more than about 60 seconds oh okay that's fair that's fair there's just there's just too much to go through there's no time to (laughs) just drag on and on and on yeah so yeah speaking of balkan skull why are they so obsessed with those eggs i don't know this is what this is what was scratching my head when when i was watching it it, it's, it feels like it's a bit of storyline that maybe was gonna go somewhere and didn't maybe I mean, is, is it meant to be some sort of foreshadowing was there something that was cut later on i, I don't know i, I mean i don't know it's interesting because it, the whole thing was just a setup so that Mr. Claplin loses his toupee wig once again. The routine being Bulk and Skull, they pop up. Mr. Claplin goes, hey, what are you doing here? Bulk's like, ah, I'm practicing my guitar. Yeah. And then Skull's goes, I'm practicing my cymbals. He crashes the cymbals, vibrations, comedy. <laughs> yeah, the old comedy loser wig routine. Oh, yes, which is every single time. But the interesting thing, I thought that this was some kind of bizarre callback to a previous episode of Power Rangers. Mm. You remember that time where they all went to the circus with um, uh, Trini's cousin and that clown was there and Billy pushed the girl out of the way to juggle the eggs and all the eggs landed on Balkan Skull? Yeah, I do remember that. Good times. I figured that was some kind of bizarre callback just to see, hey, do you remember that time, kids? Uh, uh." I mean, possibly. I mean, Power Rangers isn't really one to do callbacks and it didn't... It didn't play out in sort of any of the same. Like if the if the eggs had fallen on their faces again, then perhaps. But mm. I don't know. It's an odd one. That's the only thing I can figure out as to why they decided to put that into the episode. Some kind of yeah. funny callback, which I don't think the kids. Unless noticed. they're comparing Bulk and Skull to Squat and Babu, because when they find the eggs later on, they kind of act in much the same way. Like, oh look, eggs! And ah, then they start oh, that's actually a really good explanation. 
Perhaps Bulk and Skull are meant to be like the the squat and baboo of Angel Grove High. This is an interesting development, I have to say. We need some investigating. Yeah, I'll put sure. my investigating hat on yep. and see what we can come up with next week. <laughs> Perfect. Quinn investigates. Yeah. Well, now I've got the bag and I've got Bulk and Skull. It's all piling up. I know. that it's just, This Angel Grove... It is the greatest mystery known to mankind. It's, <laughs> more, it's more mysterious than the Twilight Zone. It's probably not quite as mysterious as Stranger Things, mm. but it's close, <laughs> you know? Like, I think maybe if the writing was just like a little bit more honed. Yes. So, despite all this odd, funny writing with Balkan Skull, I rather like this episode. Yeah, so do I. It's very well put together. I think there's a very nice storyline that's exciting that actually has a bit of resolution that isn't just recreates a monster sends a monster down ranges defeat monster at the end yeah there's a little bit more to it it feels like there's some stakes i mean the monster itself has its own kind of goals that it wants to achieve within the episode which you don't get yeah and i think fang the monster is probably my favorite monster of all time because they gave him character they gave yeah him purpose, it's got like personality yeah and he mourns and he has heartbreak and he's so he's so bad at us at fighting <laughs> i mean i had no idea that when someone is so so hungry you can drive you to fight with all the fury of the rabid wolverine yeah well clearly clearly when you've got your favorite expertise someone comes along and just picks them up off the floor without a thought in the world and swallows them whole well, that's not quite true. It just cracks the eggs open and they ooze in the green liquid that green into the mouth. Yeah. yeah, and then it completely empties. And then Fang's like, "My eggs! You <laughs> ate my eggs! Oh, I was gonna have those for lunch." Which is the weirdest motivation yeah. ever. It's like it's not like he was losing his children or or losing something important. He's like, "I was gonna have those for lunch. You ate my lunch. Now you must die." He's like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, and then he goes off on a, a rampage, which Rita is able to use to her advantage. Yeah. And turn that rage towards the rangers. And mm-hmm. it almost works. Yeah. It's one of those things like almost. I mean, again, if Tommy had been there from the beginning, this probably wouldn't have gone on for quite as long as it did. <laughs> I was just, I was quite, quite funny because this is like Tommy's shortest amount of airtime before he yeah. makes up some excuse to leave. I was like, it's like I, two lines in. It's like, Damn it, my belts. <laughs> I forgot the belts. <laughs> yeah. No one cares about the belts. Goes, no, no, mate. No, mate. We've got to get the belt. You don't understand, Jason. I'll be right back. What's what is, what's odd as well is the choice of belts as the thing that Tommy's forgotten. Because you would expect both Jason and Tommy to be responsible for their own outfits. And both of them to bring their own karate belts with them. Especially Tommy, who takes this whole martial arts thing yeah, way very... too seriously. How many, how many times have, have the Power Rangers, especially Jason and Tommy, on separate occasions said that karate has taught them self-discipline? Yet Tommy can never remember to pack <laughs> his bag properly. He's just a big hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a big hypocrite, and then he, he doesn't tie his communicator on. And here's another thing. Um, we're besides jumping all over the place, but this point is really important. Tommy dropping his dino coin outside of the net. I don't even understand how that's possible. Uh, I mean, it's it's a bit of a contentious issue, isn't it? Like, where do they store their morphers? I always assumed it was a belt buckle or some kind. Well... I mean, in, in Zero Ranger, they wear them on their belt buckles and they're prominently on their front 
and they can take them off and they can morph yeah. instantly. You never see them in Power Rangers on their belts from behind, which is where they reach for them. They always reach behind their backs for the for the morphers, don't they? That's a very good point. And I defy you, Saban, I defy you to say that those coins fit in the back pocket because there's no way that they fit in the back pocket it would no be would a see it. it'd be a very large back pocket for a start but yeah people would notice them yeah it's, it'd be like people who put mobile phones in the back pocket you just want to just yank it out just yank it out just take it i have a theory i have a headcanon tell me there's, there's also there's uh, there's episodes later in the series where you see them in a like in someone's backpack yeah. or they get taken from somewhere else somewhere else so i have this theory that the reason jason or whoever says it's morphing time when it's time to morph is yep. that is summoning the morphers from wherever they are into their hands ah so they don't carry them around well they maybe do carry them around with them like in a bag or i, I mean maybe they do leave them at home or they do leave them in their lockers or something but wherever the morpher is they say it's morphing time and then morpher appears in the hand they bring it out call out those odds and then morph mm, that's a pretty interesting theory because i'm trying to think back to a time where they never said it's morphing time ah i have you there because <gasps> this has been bugging me for weeks you've actually thought about this for weeks yeah no no just th- this what i'm about to say is bugging me for weeks okay tommy tommy never says it he doesn't say it he when, just... it, when he's on his own and he gets that call from zordon after he's been around in his karate auditions <laughs> or whatever it is yeah or getting stuck in yeah getting stuck in nets in nets trees. in trees the oldest trick of the book net come on tommy you yeah. should know better <laughs> you'd think like a trained power ranger would have like avoided that comic book trap or a trained human being or a trained yeah. monkey could have avoided that a trained monkey could have avoided that but yeah he never he never says it he whenever he gets that call he's just sort of Right, I'll be there. And it's just instantly Dragonzord. Yeah. That's got to be a decision on the writer's part. To, or Like, one episode, I can I could forgive them leaving it out of. But every week, he gets the call mm-hmm. and he morphs without saying the famous catchphrase. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe he's an exception to the rule because being the Green Ranger, he's slightly different. He's come from a different cut of cloth, perhaps. And maybe okay. it's like one of those cases where he doesn't need to say anything. He, He's one of those heroes who doesn't need to say his magic words. So, where were we at? Tommy's in a net. <laughs> oh yeah, Tommy's in a net. Um, <laughs> loses his communicator. He try. This is the other thing I found interesting in this scene. Tommy tries to reason with the putties. Like on two occasions, he's he's sort of there and he's like lost his communicator and he's like, "Come on, guys, give it back now. I'm not playing anymore." He's like, "These are brainless." like claim putty patrollers that Rita sent down to capture like they're a bunch of jobbers they're a bunch of nobodies <laughs> okay I, I, I'm glad you spotted this and I, I'm starting to lose interest in Tommy I've really been losing interest in Tommy the last it's, few weeks it's because this episode his fighting has been really boring and not very inspiring yeah and it's like oh i'm just going through the motions okay let's just do a simple routine yeah a few few leg kicks we'll chop up some leaves yeah in a tree like he's obviously sort of taking some cues from bulk's karate audition where he was throwing that paper around where he's just like walking through the woods and like chopping at branches yeah there was also that kick where for some reason the putty was jumping backwards before Tommy actually made the kicking motion to make the putty yeah. go back. Tommy, you've got to do better than this because I, I might just fall out of love with you. You've got to put more effort into this, Tommy. <laughs> I thought he was my favourite ranger, but I'm really starting to wonder 
I mean, the only thing I can say is that Tommy does get better as the series progresses. I hope so. So it's not all lost. Is it because he needs motivation to actually do something decent? Is it because he needs a bit of that Kimberly cheerleading action to so make you think? Him... So you think if Kimberly was there, he wouldn't have allowed himself to get trapped in a net, but because he's on his own, he's just like, eh, don't care. Now, see, I would say that, except we have evidence this is not true. Two episodes ago, when he was, they were fighting against the uh, samurai fan man. I think his name is Tommy. Was completely useless. He was just like, "Oh, <laughs> I'm swirling around with this green mist, and I'll just fall asleep now." Whilst yeah. Kimberly was in deep trouble, she got <laughs> yeah. captured. So, okay, that scraps that theory. I don't know, Tommy. You've got to do better. I hope you do better the next time. Even though you managed to climb your way out slowly of this net and just kick a couple of putties yeah and then you finally got back in the action in the immortal words of danny and sandy he's got to shape up Mm, he's got to shape up son (laughs) uh so after uh oh yeah this is you put so you made a point this in your in your little your little run through the episode kimberly sort of fights or at least sort of raises concern about Zordon not allowing them to go and help Tommy. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. So, okay, so for those who didn't watch the episode, there are the attack command center, and Zordon actually says, look, he's right here right now. And they're all showing concern, well, except for Trini, whose acting skills is as brilliant oh. and as emotional as usual. Let's let's try it. <clears throat> Just <clears throat> channel, channel some inner Trini. Okay. Behold the viewing globe. Tommy has been captured by the putties. He's all bound up. And seen. I think that is like, <laughs> that is the extent of her acting ability. Just completely deadpan, no emotion. Oh no, he's all bound up. I don't think Trini cares about any of her friends. <laughs> no, I think like I think she's just annoyed that she was dragged away from the talent show. She was probably really looking forward to watching Billy's like country hoedown or whatever. It was oh, we've got to come do. back to that because I've got <laughs> questions about that hat. So anyway, back to what happened. Uh, Kim, uh, Zordon's like, yeah, never, never mind Tommy being there because because Rita's um, put this new monster Fang out, and Kimberly rightly so says, well, shouldn't we go and try and save Tommy? I mean, yeah. this looks quite easy. It's just a couple of putties. And then Zordon's like, never hear mind him. He'll be fine. He'll like, be how, fine. How, how long would it take to rescue? There's two putties. Like, five of them turn up. It's, I mean, one of them could take both of them out. I'll tell you how long it would take. It would take. It would take. It would take 10 seconds of actual fighting footage, plus another 10 seconds of crazy editing by the editors of yeah. Power Rangers for them to beat up four putties and rescue Tommy and that would be brilliant because Tommy would learn a bit of humility and responsibility and to not get captured yeah I mean maybe that's why he's never around when his friends need him because his friends are never there to help him out ah that's an interesting they point. just like they went through that whole five episode arc of like we must get Tommy back must turn him good again and then as soon as that's done it's like well Tommy you're on your own mate <laughs> It's like, where's the follow-up program? I'm not quite fully rehabilitated. (laughs) Nope, you've done. This is the real world now. And Tommy's left to fend for himself whilst uh, the Rangers have to go off and fight Fang. Yeah, and really, really get their ass beaten. I think now's a good time to take a break from the Power Rangers American stuff. And Quinn, why don't you tell us what actually happened in this episode of Zoo Ranger? Because frankly, I watched the anguish that's in Fang's face his animatronic face and i think that there's more to the story that the power rangers are letting on i i think that there's a real sense of danger 
for this monster. There is a real sense of danger for this monster. Well done on picking that up. The easiest way to do this, I think, this week is to tell you what is different. Because there's so little of this episode that's actually changed from the Zero Ranger episode to the Power Rangers episode. They've pretty much kept it scene for scene, sort of story beat for story beat. Other than obviously like the the talent show stuff. It starts off with Godar, um, isn't actually created by Finkstor Rita. He is a, or she actually. It's a she. It's a monster. Yeah, I I think it's a she. There's an earthquake which brings Godar from its hiding place underground, brings her to the surface and she sort of starts like rampaging around a little bit. I think sort of scared more than anything else like ends up frightening uh, some hunters sort of steals their guns breaks them and sort of runs off yeah i have to be i could see the fear in its eye with his beady black and white eyes just yeah scut- darting around like it doesn't know what's going on i mean the the whole point is that the eggs that squat finds aren't goda's lunch but goda's eggs that she has laid i knew it they're her children, aren't they? They were her children. So it was really interesting. When you mentioned that earlier on, that is actually what's going on in the in the original footage, is that uh, Squat has eaten Goda's children. And that's why Goda is so angry. And it's sort of Squat, Babu and Goldar all convince Goda that it's actually the Power Rangers that have taken the eggs. Mm-hmm. So that's why... Goda is kind of attacking the Power Rangers and such. Mm-hmm. Rita does the same thing that she does in Power Rangers, which is sort of wave a stick or dangle a carrot, I suppose I should say, in front of Goda by saying, I can give you your red backs if you defeat the Rangers. If I may interrupt, I I just want to say, I love that scene in, in the Power Rangers where she approaches uh, uh, Fang in, in the American show and says, yeah, yeah, I can get you all the eggs you like. And then she uses her, her staff to magically reassemble the eggs in front of uh, Fang's eyes and go, oh, wow, this is great. And then with a wave of her wand again, she just like breaks him. It's like, that was actually the, one of the meanest things Rita's ever done. I thought, it's wow. It's truly evil, isn't that's it? That's evil stuff right there. Like Giveth and taketh away. Exactly. I mean, that's the just proof that Rita, or and Bandora in both series, can be really, truly evil when she wants to be. Mm. Like, just I mean, imagine that. Imagine being given a child and then having it snatched away from you unless you did something. Yeah, yeah. And the rest of it, like, more or less plays out the same. Like, the fight sequences are the same. Green Ranger comes in at the same point. The only differences are that, I'm going to try and pronounce this correctly because PDT had a go at me for pronouncing the Green Ranger's name wrong. <laughs> uh, I think it's uh, Burai? Burai. Burai, yeah. Uh, he tries to convince Geki not to... No, sorry. Geki doesn't want to kill Goda because Geki recognises that Goda's just upset for her children, that she's lost her children and she just wants her children back. Mm. So Birai comes along and is like, no, you have to kill this monster. Like, I think he, he actually says, sometimes to protect peace, you have to ride a tragedy to its natural end. Ooh, that's poetic. Quite, very poetic and very dark as yeah. well. Yeah. You wouldn't get this at 9 a.m. in the morning in America, that's for sure. That's not that kind of discussion. Yeah, this goes on for a little bit. And Burai reminds Geki of something that Daiju Jin, which is the Megazord, which in Zuranger is sentient, has said in the past. And that is that everything that lives dies, yet it is reborn into a new life over and over in a chain that goes on for eternity. And it's that that convinces Geki that he is right to kill Goda because... What?! Goda would come back to life. This doesn't quite make sense to me at this point. 
Um, Hang on. So, so, so rather than go for the traditional route of okay, we can save we can save the fish monster and her children, and, every, and everything's all happy. They all think that actually we should kill the hideous fish monster. Yeah, that's probably the best for everyone. Well, Burai's argument is that Bandora has turned Godar truly evil now because Godar is truly evil. She must be destroyed because she is destroying the city of uh, well, this city in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like, you, you have to stop it in some way. And the only way to stop it is to destroy it. It's that reasoning that leads Geki to like, right, yep, okay, we're going to do this. Burai morphs, they call on the Dragon Zord. We get the Dragon Zord in battle mode, fighting ensues. And then unlike in Power Rangers, it's the Dragon Zord in battle mode which defeats Godar. Whereas in obviously Power Rangers, it's Titanus with the Ultra Zord. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they've sort of cut that footage in. But yeah, it's the dra- the Dragon Mission, as it's known in Zero Ranger. Um, mm-hmm. And then what's quite nice is that they hold a little funeral for Godar. Uh, they have a little memorial on a hillside with uh, you know, like stones and a little cross made of sticks. Thankfully, though, they find an egg hidden. As with every Zero Ranger episode, there's a small boy involved. And he, w- when the earthquake happened, this he found this egg and he hid it out of view of everyone else. So he goes and fetches the egg, brings it to the Zero Rangers. And the Zero Rangers entrust him with the egg, hoping that one day it will hatch. <laughs> Continuing the life cycle of this monster, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's just dark. Uh, the reason why I'm laughing is it's like, okay, we've killed this ultimate monster now. This is There was no way out of this. Oh, there's an egg over there. Oh, we just killed a mum. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. no. Oh no, we just killed a mum! And her child is right there! <laughs> oh no! We're gonna live with this decision for the rest of our lives! So, um. Oh man. I really like this episode. I know oh, that, I kind of, it does not... sound like a very intriguing episode indeed. Yeah, it's good. It's the same thing as with. I think this is why the Power Rangers one works so well, is because it very closely follows the story, the same storyline. Tweaks it so it's not the actual egg, like Goda's eggs or Fang's eggs, like mm. it's just his lunch. Which I think for a kids' show, I think that's a fair enough little change to make, and it doesn't make an awful lot of difference to the to the plot. It just removes some of the gravitas of Goda's character and some of the the emotion that that. That you were rightly picking up on as you as you were watching it, but is actually present in the Zero Ranger footage. What's with Billy and his cowboy hat? <laughs> oh well, I so wish we'd got to see him perform something. What was he going to do? Would that? Oh, I mean, maybe some sort of Billy Cyrus cover, or I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you get a couple of spoons out and starts playing the spoons <laughs> on his knees and everything. Perhaps. Oh, he just looked like a real country star, didn't he? Yeah. This is the thing. It, this gives more evidence that perhaps this was like a... Not a 20-minute episode of Power Rangers, but maybe like a 45, 50-minute episode. Maybe it was supposed to be a two-parter. I mean, possibly. I mean, that that would have been really sweet. We need to know what Billy and Trini and Zach and I guess Kimberly to a point. They must have had something written f- for them to do because otherwise... They had nothing to do in this episode. They didn't do anything in this episode. I did no, nothing. It's, it's very much a, a Jason and Tommy episode. No, it's not actually. It, it well, is, in fact, it's, it's f- not even a Tommy episode. It's a Fang episode. Fang is actually, yeah, the the main... And not even the antagonist. Like, he is acting... As Geki rightly points out in the Zero Ranger footage, in the Zero Ranger show, very much acting on instinct, and he's just trying to protect her children. So, is she the protagonist in this? He's a victim. 
He's just the unfortunate victim that is in the wrong place at the wrong time and is wound up doing things that doesn't want to do and unfortunately ends up dying. Yeah, listening to e- Rita's evil propaganda about the yeah. Rangers. This is probably the darkest episode of Power Rangers. Unintentionally darkest episode of Power Rangers that has ever been written. It's, it's, the only difference is that in the Zoo Rangers, they, had, they actually had the, 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 the courage to yeah. point this out and say, sometimes you'll get a sad ending. It's interesting how the Zoo Rangers, there's a tragic ending, and the only tragedy in Power Rangers is that Bulk and Skull didn't get the applause that they deserved. Yeah. They, did, they didn't get the applause they deserved, but as you said, there was no booing. Kimberly gave a little bit of a clap at the end yeah, as there well. Was a little bit of a clap. Well, again, it's the second week in a row where Bulk and Skull have put their mind to something and gone out and done it. And actually, in this instance, they're not terrible. Like, I, th- I think the show's probably meant to sort of possibly guide the audience towards this is a really unlistenable like unintelligible band but as punk bands go like that is straight up punk rock you you like for people like for actual punk fans like straight up died in the wall punk fans they would listen to that sort of thing um and they did a good job of it I don't know what the drummer was doing. I've got issues with that. But Bulk and Skull, <laughs> Bulk and Skull weren't half bad. And that's the second week in a row that's happened. And it's also the second week in a row that they've not had like an unfortunate mishap where they've like stumbled into a cake or, or mm. like, or tumbled into like a, a water bucket or something like that. The The joke is actually on Mr. Kaplan in this episode with his, with the wig. And that comes right at the beginning. Yeah. Rather than, rather than being the sort of comedy punchline at the end that they that they often are yeah that's pretty interesting so there you go i guess we'll never know what billy was supposed to be doing no anyway shall we rate this episode because i think we've covered everything that we needed to cover i think we've covered everything yeah i like this episode and i think this episode delivered much more than not only i was expecting but probably what the writer was expecting as well there was actually a sense of drama the monster was interesting it, it had more than one dimension it wasn't just a, a badass monster we could fight but it had stakes it was trying to get his lunch or its children in the zoo range footage and it had a purpose and i had sympathy empathy for the monster which is unusual and, sympathy for the devil was it mean uh, as it were indeed and the the fighting was actually good if you discount tommy's uninspiring efforts it's the same problem of the American footage was I didn't really care about it, but it was all the Japanese stuff I was interested in. But that was good. It, everything worked very well, and I was enjoying watching this episode a lot. And I think it's done very well for itself. So for that, I'm giving it five out of six power coins. Nice. Yeah. I think I, I I can't say anything different to what you've just said. I uh, agree with you on the 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 sort of story front. Is a is an there's a really nice bit of story that goes through that shows the fang the monster having just having some agency that's something you don't see in any of the monsters usually outside of goldar and scorpina the monster actually having some agency of its own Mm. i really enjoyed the fight sequences between the rangers and fang i really enjoyed i really enjoyed every bit of it there's like say other than like the little bits with tommy but that's power rangers sort of being held back by the fact that there's a storyline that's going on in Zero Ranger that isn't going on in the Power Rangers universe. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're constantly having to find these reasons to get Tommy away from the fight. But yeah, I, I have to agree with you. I think it's definitely a, a, a sort of five out of six episode again for me. Fantastic. It's nearly flawless. And I think this goes back to what we were saying last week about why they didn't just take 
the storyline of the the baseball love monster from that first Zero Ranger episode and just do that story. Because when they clearly when they just follow the, the Zero Ranger storyline, they knock out a cracking episode of Power Rangers. Mm. They've done it here. They've done it in the past as closely as they can with interweaving their own little bits of sort of storyline and footage and stuff. But when you the closer they stick to the original intentions of the Zero Ranger show, the better Power Rangers is. So what do you guys think out there in the listening world? Do you agree with both of us? Do you agree with Quinn and me in giving it a five out of six power coins? Would you give it more? Would you give it less? Let us know on social media. Let us know on Twitter, which is at RangerPod. Let us know on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash RangerPod. And you can email us at therangerpod at gmail.com. So, join us again next week, where we begin a brand new saga, a two-part saga, where we talk about a green candle. I think it's, that's, what, that's what it is. Yeah, it's the green candle next year. Green candle part one. Yes, exactly. So, until then, my name's Grax. I'm Quinn. And we'll see you next time. Bye.